stories our entire lives. When we were younger, they were read to us at bedtime. They come from our teachers in class and friends in hallways. We see them in our favorite movies and TV shows. We relate to them, visualize them, and share them. Jesus understood this and chose to teach through stories. We've been shaped by stories our entire lives, but the stories told by Jesus were meant to give us life. His stories were called parables. Good morning. It's great to see everybody this morning on this holiday weekend. Labor Day weekend where we get to celebrate by not doing any labor, right? That's always the good thing about Labor Day. So those of you that are joining us online, thanks for tuning in there as well. If you are a guest with us, we are especially glad that you have um, come to check us out this morning, and we would absolutely love to connect with you. Um, if you are a guest with us, the easiest way to do that is text the word WELCOME to 817-755-1668. We're not going to do anything weird like show up at your house or something like that, but we just want to find out how we could um, potentially... Uh, be an encouragement to you, minister to you and your family. Um, and so if you have any questions about the church or anything like that, um, I would love to answer those after the service. And so if I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, I would love to be able to introduce myself to you on the way out this morning. But my name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at the table. Um, before we get into the message this morning, I just want to say thanks to everyone who participated in our Serve Sunday last week. Um, for those of you that are new with us, Serve Sunday, every time that there's a fifth Sunday in a month, five Sundays in a month, on that fifth Sunday, we don't have worship services, but we go out into the community to serve. And so we actually have another one coming up relatively quickly at the end of October is the next time that there's a fifth Sunday. And so we won't be having services that week. We're going to go out to serve. And so this week in our staff meeting, everybody was kind of telling stories about um, the people that they interacted with, the, the projects that they did and things like that. And so we had um, people serving down at the Morris house and were able to interact with people and heard, you know, such positive feedback. It's so good to get out and serve because this is the first one that we've done um, since COVID. Um, and, and so it was just good to I think sometimes take our eyes off of ourselves um, and, and to be able to serve others. I was just here at the church. Was one of our projects fell through um, because of COVID at the last minute. And so we had a, a bunch of people here at the church just doing stuff, which was great. Um, for me, it's great because I get to know some of you all in a little bit different way, like, um, you know, more casually and stuff like that, which I, I really benefit from. And, and so uh, I just appreciate everyone who um, served last week, who gave, and all of the things related to Serve Sunday. And so just be thinking about, again, the end of October. That's our next one. So be ready to sign up and, and, and serve once again. And so hopefully we'll be able to um, go back to Volunteers of America. That was the, the project that got canceled last minute. So hopefully we'll be able to do that in October. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll get started with the message this morning. Heavenly Father, thanks for who you are. Um, God, for your love for us. You loved us so much that you pursued us with your love and you chose to rescue us and through the work of Jesus allow us to be in a relationship with you. And um, Father, we, may we never take that for granted, that gift of grace that you've given to us. God, I pray that you would help us even over the next few minutes to be able to hear from you. I pray that you would challenge our hearts and our lives according to the way that we're living so that we can experience the life that you desire for us because, Father, the life that you give to us is the best life that we could ever have. And, and so, Father, I pray that you would teach us and instruct us um, 
just in what that really looks like. Father, in the midst of the stresses of life that we carry into this room, um, Father, I pray that you would meet every need. I know there are um, people in our, our church that are sick and who are struggling and who are hurting. And Father, I pray that your grace um, would be extended to them. Thanks for the promise that we have in Hebrews that says when we come, come boldly before your throne, we will receive grace and mercy when we need it the most. And so, Father, I know that there are many in our church family who need grace and mercy, and I pray that you would extend it to, to all of us uh, today. Father, again, just bless us. Continue to bless us with your presence. Be at work in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In the year 2000, uh, the movie Pay It Forward was released. Pay It Forward tells the story of a seventh grader named Trevor who was given the assignment by his social studies teacher to come up with a way to make a difference in the world. you got to know something about Trevor, though. Trevor comes from a broken home. And so his mom was doing everything that she could to make sure that their needs were provided for, working really hard, living you know, very stressed out, stressful life. And so in Trevor's situation, it wasn't like he could go to his parents and ask for a couple thousand dollars to start a business or something like that. And he really couldn't even ask his mom for help or ideas because she was just overwhelmed with the stuff of life that she was dealing with. And so basically, Trevor was on his own. But he came up with an idea that he called Pay It Forward. So in essence, the idea was if somebody does something nice for you rather than paying it back, you pay it forward, right? So somebody does something for you, you do something for someone else. But Trevor said it needs to be something significant, something that somebody would not be able to do on their own. And so Trevor got his project started by allowing a homeless man to live in his garage, which I'm not sure that was the smartest thing, but it all worked out in the end. And I'm not going to give away the plot in case you haven't seen it and you want to see it. I think it's a pretty good movie. Um, but in the end, what we find is that without much fanfare, without a lot of publicity or anything, this pay-it-forward movement affected thousands of people. Thousands of people's lives were affected by Trevor's idea to pay it forward. And I think the point of the movie as you watch it is to kind of ask yourself the question, what am I doing to make a difference in the lives of other people around me? We're in this series called Simply Profound. We're looking at some of the parables of Jesus. And the last time we gathered together, which was two weeks ago, I started the message by asking the question, why are you here? And I explained when I asked that question, it's not like, why are you here? But why are you here? Like, what brings you to a gathering like this? What are your expectations? What do you hope to get out of it? And I talked about two weeks ago how maybe the reason that we're here is not because uh, that we are looking for something, but maybe somebody is looking for us. And I think that that's true, that Jesus, in his love, he seeks us out. While we are lost in our sin, he is looking for us to forgive us of our sins, to bring us back into the fold. We looked at the parable of the lost sheep, so it brings us back into the fold. Jesus is searching us out. But yet at the same time, while I think that that's really true, I think that there oftentimes are some big questions of life that lead us to a gathering like this. We hope that Christianity answers some of these big questions of life, like, why am I here? What is my purpose? We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But that 
in trying to answer that question, why am I here? What is my purpose? It leads people in all kinds of different directions. But there is a question that I want to ask us this morning, and I guess this is really the, the question that I want to challenge us with today, and here it is. What will you do with what you have? What will you do with what you have? And thinking about the movie Pay It Forward, that was a question that Trevor answered really well. He didn't have much, but he came up with an idea that made a difference in the lives of many, many people. So the question for us, what will you do with what you have? One day Jesus told a story. It's a parable that we know as the parable of the shrewd manager. Uh, that would be the positive description of this. Um, other times in, in different Bible versions, they may have the heading of the parable of the dishonest manager. And that's a parable that we're going to look at today. But honestly, this is the most difficult parable that Jesus ever told to understand. We're going to work our way through it in just a minute. But I think in the parable that Jesus told, this dishonest manager, this shrewd manager, he learned something about life. And I think what he learned, and we're going to look at this, he learned that there is value in selflessness and generosity. And so I think the point of the parable that Jesus told is that selflessness and generosity are life-changing values. And so again, as we look at this parable, I want you to be thinking, what will you do with what you have? So let's look at that parable. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 16. The parable of the shrewd manager or the dishonest manager is found in Luke 16, verses 1 through 13. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, it will be on the screen as I read it in just a second. Um, here's our weekly commercial. If you are a YouVersion Bible app user, you can navigate your way to our live events. You go down to the bottom, hit more on the next screen. I think it's the third thing down, and there's a, a button for events, and you'll be able to find our event and follow along there. We've got the scripture, place to take notes, some questions for further reflection. There's a link to our digital bulletin, lots of helpful information. So again, that's the commercial for the week. Um, let's continue. Luke chapter 16. Here is the parable of the dishonest manager. Now he said to the disciples, Jesus talking, There was a rich man who received an accusation that his manager was squandering his possessions. So he called the manager in and asked, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, because you can no longer be my manager. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll, I know what I'll do. So that when I'm removed from management, people will welcome me into their homes. And so he summoned each one of his master's debtors. How much do you owe my master? He asked the first one. A hundred measures of olive oil, he said. Take your invoice, he told him. Sit down quickly and write 50. Next, he asked another. How much do you, do you owe? A hundred measures of wheat, he said. Take your invoice, he told him, and write 80. The master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd than the children of light in dealing with their own people. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of worldly wealth, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. Whoever is faithful in very little will also, is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in very much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, 
who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, since he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. As I said before, this is the most difficult parable of all the parables that Jesus told to understand. So what we find at the beginning is that there is a, he's referred to as a manager. And this manager is a steward. This is another way to describe his role. The way that we could look at it is like he would be a, uh, maybe an accountant slash business manager. It's kind of the way that we can think about it. And I think one of the things that's really challenging as we look at the parables is that there aren't a lot of details given. Um, and so when there are not details given about a certain parable and we want details in certain things, we ask those questions to try to figure out like what's in between the lines. But the reality is Jesus gave the details that he wanted to give and left out the details that weren't important. And so it's probably better to not ask or fill in the details um, if they're not there, just to take the parables as Jesus told them at face value. But this is one where we want to ask some questions about. Because we have this manager who evidently was really bad at his job. There's an accusation against him that he was costing his boss, his, this wealthy man, he was costing him money. And evidently it was true because when he is confronted by this, he thinks to himself, okay, what am I going to do? And so when we see that, we want to ask the question, well, what did he do wrong? But that de detail is not found in the story. So we, we don't really know could be a lot of different things. I mean, it could be possibly that this guy was just really lazy, uh, and so he had loaned all this stuff or sold these goods to people, and he wasn't uh, just was really lazy in collecting the debts. It's possible that he was lending these things or selling these things to people that he knew couldn't repay the debt. I mean, the reality is we don't know. What we know is this guy was about to get fired from his job, and he says, okay, what am I going to do now? And what he says is like, he says to himself, I'm not strong enough to dig. I like this guy. He's like, I don't want to work for a living. Um, and he says, I'm too proud to beg. So like, what am I going to do in this situation? And so he comes up with this plan. And he gathers the, all these people that he had loaned things to or sold things to. And to the first person, he says, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred uh, measures of oil. And he said, look, just cross your bill off, write 50 to the one. The next one, he said, 100 measures of wheat. And he said, cross that out and write 80. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the owner comes back, the, the master comes back, and he praises the servant for what he had done. And that's where I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, that doesn't make sense to me at all. Because what we have is this guy's really bad at his job, costing the owner his money, resources that belong to him. And then it sure seems like he is costing him even more. And then the owner says, man, you did a great job. It's really smart what you did. And that's where I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Something else has to be happening more so than what's there. Because it would make more sense to me if the the master came back and was like, man, you're terrible. I'm going to bring charges against you. If he could put him to death or something like that, if he's really angry at him, that would make more sense to me, not the response of, man, that was really smart, what you did. And so maybe there's something else happening, and I think there is. See, most scholars believe that the way that this steward, this money manager would have gotten paid was through commission. 
So if you have a money manager now for your investments, the way that that money manager gets paid is a commission on the trades that are made, and as the investment grows, it gets a portion of that. And so evidently something very similar was taking place even in the first century. So this money manager would have gotten paid based off of the commission in selling the goods. That's the way he got paid. So likely what was happening when he was cutting the bills is that he wasn't cutting the owner and the owner's profits out of that, but he was cutting himself out of it. So what he was doing was taking out his commission that belonged to him so that he was using what he had and, and, and giving it away, which cost him in the short term in hopes that it would pay benefits in the long term. So again, I want to make sure that it's really clear because it's, it's kind of hard for us to grasp. What he was doing was cutting himself out of the equation, using what he had, not for his short-term benefit, but in the hopes that there was long-term benefit in that. Because he's thinking to himself, I am unemployable. I cannot do what I've been doing for the rest of my life unless I change the way that people view me. So he's taking what he had and using it not for short-term gain, but for a long-term benefit. I, and I think that there's something that's happening kind of behind the, the scenes a little bit in the story that Jesus was telling. This manager was doing something that we all do. And he was just trying to figure out life. Trying to navigate through the, just the, the struggles that we face in life. Trying to, to, to make sense out of the dysfunction that exists in the world, and trying to figure out what life's purpose is. And, and so I, we all do this. It's probably not something that we're consciously thinking about all the time, but we all recognize that there is dysfunction that exists in the world. And as we try to navigate through the dysfunction that exists in the world, it drives some people to selfishness while others to selflessness. So we're trying to make sense out of the dysfunction that exists in the world, and some people see all the dysfunction, trying to figure out life's meaning and purpose, and some people gravitate towards selfishness, while others gravitate towards selflessness. Let me explain what I mean. Again, I'm not sure that we're always consciously aware of this, though I think deep down inside we all know it's true, that there's dysfunction that exists all around us. We can look at it globally speaking, and just like the, the planet doesn't function the way that it was meant to. Um, we see that with like things like greenhouse gas or you know the hurricanes and things like that that are happening all the time. Like we would say, man, it doesn't seem like the world, Earth, is functioning the way that it was meant to. We also see it interpersonally. So we recognize deep down inside that we're not supposed to experience the brokenness in relationships that we so often do. We see it individually, where we, again, we recognize deep down inside, like, life shouldn't be filled with stress. We shouldn't be stressed out all the time. We shouldn't be worried all the time. We shouldn't be wondering, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? It seems like we should have these things figured out. And so in the midst of trying to figure out how to handle all of the dysfunction that exists around us, we're looking for meaning and purpose in life. Again, some people, and I think there's a spectrum in this, some people gravitate towards selfishness, while others move to selflessness. Some people, as they're trying to navigate through life, trying to figure out how to live and, and the purpose and meaning of life, they just gravitate towards selfishness. On the, on the end of the scale, I mean, it's where life is all about me. I'm the only one that matters. There is no purpose or meaning outside of me. While others 
On the other end of the spectrum, for some reason, they say, well, maybe there is life and purpose outside of me, and they begin to try to make a difference in the world around them and in the lives of other people. I think most people, because it's far more natural to us, because we are sinners, is to gravitate towards selfishness. We just begin to think, okay, like, I don't know what else to do other than to make myself happy. But the problem is this selfish pursuit, it's meaningless. It's a futile exercise. In fact, we read all about this in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon, who was the son of Israel's greatest king, King David. Solomon is known as the wisest man who ever lived. And the book of Ecclesiastes, I think, is his reflections on all of life. And at the beginning of the book, he talks about all of these things that he was pursuing to try to find meaning and purpose in life. And so he starts off by talking about the projects that he undertook, the building projects. And so he says he built gardens and fountains and buildings. And he says, I built all of these things for myself. That's really key. He built all of these things for himself. And he found that there was no meaning in that. And so then he talks about his pursuit of wealth. Just trying to gather as much wealth for himself as he possibly could. And when he found that there was no meaning in wealth, he began uh, to just gather for himself everything that he could think, right? Like whatever he could buy, he bought. He just collected things and stuff, trying to gather things for himself. And in all of that, there was no meaning. And he talks about his pursuit of knowledge. And so he began to study all kinds of things, learn about all all these different things. And in the end, he said all of these things were meaningless. There was no point in any of it. In the world that we live in, where I think fame and fortune are glamorized for us, we think that that's where true happiness is found. So if we just get the right stuff or enough stuff or we move up the ladder in the right way, then eventually we'll find our happiness. But I think what Ecclesiastes was saying, what Solomon was saying, is that that pursuit is pointless. It's meaningless. But yet so often that's where we get stuck, just on this spectrum, we, we, we become selfish because we don't know what else to do. And so we begin thinking, okay, how do I make myself happy because I'm the most important person? We don't have to be that way. We can be selfless. You know, look at the, the story of the, the money manager, what was happening in his life early on, because I think he learned something in this process. Early on, he was... He was really bad at his job, and we don't know exactly why. Now, if he was lazy, do you know what, at, at the core what laziness is? It's selfishness. Because basically it's saying, I don't care what anybody else thinks. Um, I, I don't care about how anyone else feels. I'll just do what I want, when I want, how I want, and no, nobody else matters. Now, if he was really bad at his job, like he was doing things that were wrong, in essence, it's still selfishness because he didn't care about figuring out how to do it the right way. Again, I, I'll just do it the way I want. But somehow in, in, the, in the course of, of the story that Jesus told, his mindset changed and he, he stopped thinking just about what he would do, but he had this resource of this commission. 
that he could give away in hopes that something better would be coming in the future. And so I think that this is the, the point of the parable that, that Jesus is telling. He's, he's, he's saying, well, what will you do with what you have? Will you take what you have and use it for your own benefit? Or potentially would you give it away for the benefit of other people? Because I think what Jesus is getting at is that selfishness or selflessness and generosity are kingdom values. And those kingdom values of selflessness and generosity were exemplified in Jesus. Jesus, in Philippians chapter 2, we read that these are the words of the Apostle Paul. We read, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The first couple of verses of Philippians 2. Don't think about your own needs, but put the needs of others before your own. And so Paul says, think like Jesus. So how is it that when it's far more natural for us to be selfish and get stuck thinking only about ourselves, how do we make the shift into selflessness? I think the answer is Jesus. You see, when we recognize what Jesus has done for us, when we recognize that someone has been selfless for us, it frees us up to be selfless for others. When we recognize that someone is watching out for us, it frees us up so that we don't have to be watching out for ourselves, but we can be selfless for the sake of other people. And so Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And when we are selfless, it may cost us in the short term, but I do think that there is long-term gain. And we even read that in Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who came to this earth, took upon himself human flesh, and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus, is, he, his selflessness, it cost him his very life in the short term, but there was long-term gain because at the end of that section we read, and at the name of Jesus, he will be given the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's selflessness and generosity. Those are the kingdom-building, life-changing values. So what will you do with what you have? But the problem is because of the world that we live in, we so often get stuck. And we get stuck because we're so focused on making a living when God wants us to make a life. There's a quote from Tom Patterson, who was a business consultant, a Christian business consultant, wrote several business books. And it, that was a quote that came out of his book called The Life That You've Always Wanted. When he said, we so often get stuck thinking, how do I make a living when God wants us to make a life? And what he's talking about is that so often we get to think about, okay, like how do I earn a living? How do I provide for myself? How do I move up the ladder? How do I achieve for myself and for my family and all of that? When he's saying that's not what God wants us to focus on, but instead God wants us to focus on having a life. At the end of this section, in verse 13, we read, No servant can serve two masters, since he will either hate the one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or like the pursuit of money. So rather than being focused on how to make a living, maybe we should begin thinking about how to have a life. 
so as Jesus says it, you can't both pursue God and pursue money at the same time because they're two very different things. The pursuit of money says, how do I move up the ladder? How do I get more for myself? But the pursuit of God says not, how do I get more for me, but what does God want for me? It's that selflessness and generosity that are those kingdom-building values. And so again, the question is, what will you do with what you have? Because I think the point that Jesus is making, once again, is that we need to be selfless and generous to make a difference in our world. What God wants for us is to use the gifts and abilities that he has given to us to make a difference in our world, in our generation. I love, sometimes, I love millennials. We have lots of millennials in our church. Um, millennials are just, for definition, like kind of the ones that grew up always having a computer at home. Generally, that's the way that they're defined. Millennials oftentimes get a bad rap, right? Like us older folks, we sometimes look at them. It's like, oh man, they're so lazy, they're soft, all that kind of stuff, right? That's how they get characterized a lot. But I love millennials because the, the, what they somehow, I don't know why, but their generation has figured out there has to be something more to life, that there's a meaning and purpose outside of themselves. And so often they're passionate about making a difference in the world. Like, why are millennials so interested in environmental causes or uh, social justice issues? Because they, 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 they're thinking life, like meaning and purpose is found outside of themselves. And it is. Because the thing that God wants us to do is take what he's given us, the gifts and abilities, all of that, to make a difference in our world and in our generation. And the greatest difference that we could ever make is pointing people back to Jesus who transforms us from the inside out and causes us to be different. So again, what will you do with what you have? Quickly, I want to give you kind of two applications to think about, two things to really think about as we uh, take and apply the, the parable of the shrewd manager to our lives. And so first, I would ask you this. Are you being generous with your financial resources? Are you living generously with your financial resources? And you might be thinking, well, like, how do I do that? What does that look like? And I don't have time to get into a lot of it this morning because we're going to finish up relatively quickly. And so I, I can't give you the, the, all of the biblical basis for this, but I think that the Bible teaches that we should be living according to the 101080 principle. 101080 principle, I'll explain what that is. So the 101080 principle, that the first 10, it's all percentages, 10%, 10%, 80%. So the first 10% is that we give. So we give first, as a first priority, 10% of what we have back to the Lord. So we're generous with what we have by giving 10%. I think the the priority in that should be giving to our church. And so for those of you that give regularly and generously, when you give, you are giving to our mission to make disciples. The reason that we can do what we do is because of your generosity. That's the first 10%. So give 10%. Second 10, save 10. So you give 10 and you save 10. That's the second priority is that you save 10. The reason that you save 10 is kind of like a rainy day thing. Like when you, when you find yourself in trouble, you don't, you're not a burden on other people. Um, when there is, also builds margin into your life so that when there is a significant need outside yourself, you can respond to that need because you've been saving for that purpose. So you give 10, you save 10, and then the last 80% is what you live on, 10, 10, 80. So if you live according to those principles, then I think that allows us to be generous with what we have. So are you generously using 
the financial resources that God has given to you? Second, are you using the gifts and abilities that God has given you to make a difference in the lives of other people? See, for all of us who are followers of Christ, I mean, this is true of all of us, those of us who are followers of Christ, we have been given uniquely gifts by God to use to make a difference in the lives of other people. But all of us have things that we give, our personality. All of, God has made us who we are to be able to use and make a difference in the lives of other people. And so I would ask, are you using the gifts and abilities that you have to make a difference in the lives of other people? And we could talk about what that looks like in, the, in church. And in fact, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about Areas that we need people to serve in because we have needs here in the church. If you are a regular part of the table, we need you to be serving because we need your gifts, who you are, who God has uniquely made you to be. We need you serving here. But yet at the same time, I want you to know God has called us to go out into the world using who God has made us to be to make a difference in the lives of other people around us every single day, not just as we gather together here. And so I want you to think about this. Again, let me ask a question. What will you do with what you have? Because we aren't to take what we have and figure out how to gain more for ourselves. But I think the point of the story is that we're to take what we have and give it away to make a difference in the lives of other people. So what will you do with what you have?